chapter 26. Let's go ahead and stand together one last time in reverence to the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 26, we're going to read the first nine verses. Isaiah chapter 26, begin with verse 1. The Bible says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high. The lofty city he layeth it low. He layeth it low even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. Verse 6. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. Verse 9, it says, With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for what you've done, Lord, what you're doing, and what someday you will do. Heavenly Father, I, I, I ask for your help this morning. I pray that you would take these, these stammering lips, Lord, a, a, a mind, a heart that is in desperate need of, of your help. And Lord, I pray that I would present the truths of your word properly and and is needed. I ask that your Holy Spirit would be allowed to, to touch the hearts of our folks. Lord, as we sang moments ago, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I know that to be true, Lord. You've promised that in your word. And I ask that in this room he would be felt as only, as only, you, can, as only you can do it. I ask for your, your guidance. Lord, I ask for your mercy. I ask for your grace, and I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. In Isaiah chapter 26, we have several verses um, that I want to take your attention to just very quickly. Um, last week, the last several weeks, I've been speaking on how important it is that our, our lives outwardly portray our faith inwardly and it's it's necessary it's necessary that as Christians we understand the importance of a life that points to the Savior last week I brought up the simple concept that before we can have our actions right we need to have our thoughts right and I want to continue in that one more week the Lord laid this on my heart and, and I know he he did it for a reason Verse number three, I'm just going to point out a few. We don't have time to go through the whole passage this morning. We'd spend a lot more than we've got. But Isaiah chapter 26, verse number three, the Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. That word stayed there, it means to, to rest or to lie upon. If you'll jump with me down now to verse number eight. 
The Bible says, Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. Verse 9, it says, With my soul have I desired thee in the night, yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. The text verse for this morning in verse, is verse number 3. And for the next couple of minutes will be a very brief review in some areas of what we talked about last week, but I feel it necessary before we jump into this this morning. I want to ask you what you're thinking about. Um, Your thoughts are going to defile you, or your thoughts are going to deliver you. Folks, the battle in this world is not a battle of our actions. It's a battle of the mind. You, you, You cannot reform the outer man without transforming the inner man. All right, it, it change starts inside of me and it starts inside of you. True change. All right, we, we in our society, we've learned to be chameleons. We can adapt to the crowd we're with, but that's, that's not real. That's not true. See, God wants us to, to, to be outwardly what we are inwardly. He, he, God desires truth and he seeks that. He, he loves that. That's what God is. And so this morning, I want you to understand something. You see, if you say you're a born-again Christian inside, on the outside, there should be true evidence in your actions, that you are. And that takes place in the mind. That battlefield is in the mind because our actions follow what we think. Folks, I promise you this. You have already defined how you you will act in the next 24 hours by the way that you have thought. Your thinking dictates that. I I remember as a a teenager, I was sharing this with a man yesterday. As a teenager, I always used the excuse when I got into trouble, I didn't think before I said that. Or I didn't think before I did that. Maybe some of you in this room, you could admit to using that same excuse. But, but let me say this. That excuse isn't valid. Because while I may not have thought about the consequences and about the processes that I was putting myself through at that given moment, I had already decided, whether it be yesterday or last week or last year, how I would act. Already done that. I'd already decided in my mind how I would perform when put under those circumstances. I'd already decided that. And so this morning, as we look at this, I want you to understand that the battlefield is in the mind. And let me, let me prove this to you biblically. Um, one of the commandments, the Ten Commandments, was thou shalt not take thy wife, or thy neighbor's wife. All right? Adultery. But in the New Testament, Jesus defined that. He defined adultery not as the physical act. What did he define it as? The mental thought. He said if you look upon her with lust, or you look upon her to take her in that mental sense, he said you've already committed it. He said you've already done it. You've sinned. And folks, what I want you to understand, see, sometimes we say, well, 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 I I know know how to act when I'm around church people. I don't care if you know how to act when you're around church people. I want you to have in your heart and in your mind the right thoughts, the right processes, because if you have that, you're not going to have to worry about blending in at given times. You'll always be a beacon, you'll always be a light, you'll always be the salt of the earth. But it starts inside of here, our minds. We've got to get those straight with God. See, my thoughts must be proper, and as we see here in Isaiah, they must be stayed upon Jehovah. Number one this morning, I'm going to give you three things. They're very simple. They're very simple, but I think in them there, there, there is great truth, deep truth, if we, if we really look at it. You see, 
part of the problem. And, 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 and if you look at these verses, and as we read verse 8 and 9, it's very plain where our thoughts, where our desires, where our souls and our spirits are to be leaning upon. Would anybody care to venture a guess? You, you can cheat. You can actually look at the verses. Come on, folks. I know, I know none of you in this room think winter's ever going to end. I know it's mid-February. You woke up. The temperature said one degree. It's cold. We're all miserable. But let, get with me here this morning. I promise you. I'll try to warm you up a little bit. Okay? I'll try to give you something that'll mean, mean a little bit in your heart. But, but, but where are our hearts, where are our minds, where are thoughts supposed to be? In the Lord. They're supposed to be stayed upon God. We see that. Verse 8 and 9, our desire, the, the thoughts, the soul, the spirit is to be placed on God. We should be lying on Him, resting on Him, stayed upon Him. I want to say this first of all this morning. Number one, God is God. God is God. You see, it says, I will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, on Him. This morning, folks, God is God. You say, well, I know that. <laughs> okay, in your mind. See, we know that's, you know, we know that's the answer. You know, okay, who is God? We all can raise our hand and we all know, oh, I know that answer. But folks, in your mind, in your heart, in those intents, those imaginations, is God God? You see, folks, the problem with Israel at this time was not that they had gotten rid of the worship of Jehovah God. God told Isaiah and he told Jeremiah, these people are worshiping me outwardly. But in their hearts, he pulled back the veil. He ripped back the veil for Ezekiel and he said, look at what they're worshiping in their heart. He said they're worshiping false gods. They're worshiping false idols. They're worshiping something that isn't God. And folks, we can give the right answer this morning. Well, who is God? It's Jehovah. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. You're all right. But in your mind this morning, let me ask you, is God God? See, if we had that, our hearts would be at perfect peace. That's what the Bible says. That will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee. And I look at this, and folks, I'm convicted because in my heart there are times when, you know what? God, the God of the universe, the God of Je that is Jehovah, the God that runs the stars and the moons and the worlds. In my life and in my mind, there are times when He is not God. Oh, I know the answer. But in my heart of hearts, it is not so. Because I'll go off and I'll do things and I'll say things and I'll act in certain ways and I look at my own life sometimes and I think about what I've done and I say, God, if you were my God, that would not have been done. If I truly in my thoughts really believed that you were God, I would never go that direction. I would never say those unkind words. I would never allow that if in my mind you were God. And folks, I'm not trying to shake our faith this morning. I'm not going after that. What I'm trying to get us to understand is a lot of us in our lives right now, we're going through turmoil, and we're going through frustration, we have feelings of bitterness and wrath and anger, and there's things that ought not to be in our hearts. And I'm going to tell you one thing this morning, it's because God is not God like He's supposed to be in your mind. You say, oh, pastor, come on now, I, I believe in God. Uh -huh. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you in your mind, in that heart, is that what He is? 
There's a verse over in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 78, I believe. It talks about the fact that the Israelites, the Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel. Over in Matthew chapter number 13 and verse number 58, Jesus comes back to his, home, his hometown. The Bible says he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. They were a good Jewish town. I believe that they believed in God, but in their minds, it was not so. They had an outward form of worship, but in their heart, God wasn't God. And folks, it's amazing to me how sometimes we can limit Him. And scriptures teach that. We can put shackles on the hands of God in our life. Now don't misunderstand me, God is, God is still God whether you believe it or not. But in our own lives, we can put God in a corner. And God is a gentleman. God will not impose upon you. God will not break you down. He'll allow things to happen to you that will draw him onto him. But he'll not come to you and force you. No, he doesn't do that. He lets you make that decision. But my friend, this morning, I want to ask you, is God God? Is God God? See, God is God, amen? Amen. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what goes on. God is still God. Number two this morning, God is in control. God is in control. You say, well, we know that. I know you know that. Do you believe that? Does that define your thinking? When something happens, you get a flat tire, is God in control? When, 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 when you get an extra bill or the, your wife turned the heat up every day when you guys were gone at work and she turned it down before you got home and the heat bill's twice as big as it's supposed to be, is God still in control? See, folks, when, 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 when a loved one is given a terminal prognosis, is God still in control? When we go through tough times, is God still in control? See, this is supposed to define our thinking. And in so many of our lives, it doesn't. We say, oh, God's still on the throne. We say that at church, but we walk out the door saying, I don't know why God gave me such a bad time this morning. I don't know what his problem with me is. I don't understand it. It's not fair. I don't even think God likes me. No, no, God's still in control. Folks, just so you understand, God loves you, all right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We could spend a whole morning, and maybe sometime we will, talking about how much God loves you. But, but, don't do, but what our problem is, is we forget sometimes in our minds and in our hearts, God is still in control. God hasn't, God hasn't gone to sleep. Not for one second has God ever stepped aside, turned his head, or simply forgotten. He's still in control. You say, well, why did this happen in my life? I'll tell you why. Either God decreed it or God allowed it. <laughs> you say, but, but, but that's not fair. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. God's in control. He didn't say, well, look at that. Look at Tim Kozlowski's life. Look at what just happened to Tim. I can't believe it. Boy, Tim, we got to have a meeting. We, we, Tim, we got to set up a conference. We can figure out where your life is really headed because I don't know either. God has never done that. No, God's in control. The Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, I've been studying that book lately, he sets before us a blessing and a curse. Don't get me wrong, there are decisions we make that will bring effects down the road. 
But God is still in control. God is the one who set up the system of checks and balances. God is the one who defined sin and the penalty on sin. And he is the one who defined what it would cost us later on. God did that. God's still in control. You say, oh, it's terrible. My marriage is a mess. God's still in control. You say, my kids, they're not obeying. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. God's still in control. God has not changed his mind. God has not walked away from the throne. God has not said, well, I give up. I'm taking my hands off the whole situation. God has not done that. You see, for, from forever past to forever future, God is on the throne and he reigns. The world may mock him. The atheist may defy him. The agnostic may ignore him. The educated can try to explain him away. The rich can just simply shut their eyes and the religious can worship their false gods, but he is still on the throne. In the lowest of lows and in the blackest of nights, in the greatest of hurts, in the despair of despairs and in the pains of sufferings, God is still on the throne. In the failures of our lives, in the losses of our victories, in the death of his saints, God is still on the throne. And folks, I beg you to understand that. Because I believe some of us, we say, well, well we, I know God's still in charge, but there ought not to be a but. No, God's still in control. God's still the one who runs the universe. God's still the one who sets the kings and sets the rulers and sets the princes and sets the presidents in their places. That's God. That's, that's not the will of the public. That's God. That's not the decision of the monarchy. That's God. God is still the one who reigns. He is still the one who controls. And folks, I think sometimes in our minds we forget that and we say, well, well, I, I just don't know how this is going to work out. Well, God is still in control. In the, and I beg you to understand this. In the darkest of times, God is still, he's not been thrown off. There's not been an insurrection that's thrown God off the throne. Folks, Satan tried that. And he was soundly defeated and cast out of heaven. And there have been those through all of history have tried to defy God, but it has not changed the simple fact that he's still in control. Not for one moment has there been a wavering second where the balance of all eternity could be changed. Never. Not even on the cross of Calvary. And I believe to a certain extent Satan may have thought that he had gotten the better. But never for a moment was God not in control. Never. I said, number one, God is God. I said, number two, God is in control. And number three, God is good. God is good. I know some of you this morning, you're fine with that statement. God is good. Absolutely. <laughs> Got a few problems in my life, but yeah, God's good. The world isn't falling down around me, but there's some of you in this room today, the world is falling down. And you know the answer to the question, is God good? Yes. But in your heart, you wonder. And in your mind, you second guess. And you say, well, I, I know it. I know it, but, 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 boy, you know, how could a God who is good, how could he let that happen? I mean, come on. I mean, there are a lot of other people in the world who don't even give God the time of day. Why couldn't that happen to them? And we're losing the battle. 
Because, folks, God is good. God is good. And let me say this as well. God is good all the time. Going over to the hospital yesterday. And I have a hard time. I'm not, I, I used to pride myself on not being emotional at all. I did. I thought that was cool. You know, it's manly. Nothing bothers you. you, are, you, you know, your, your heart is iron. Doesn't, you don't care. I used to pride myself in that as a young man into my early 20s. Never shed a tear. Looked at things. Don't bother me. In the last 10 years, a lot of things have changed in my life, and that's one of them. This is going over to the hospital on Friday afternoon. I don't know how it is for, for everybody in this room, but I would imagine a lot of you are very similar to me in the sense that you get attached to people at church. You know, they're your church family. You know, sometimes your church family is closer than your real family is for good reason. Anybody ever? Right? And, and I got to thinking about Gene and Betty. Gene and Betty have occupied that pew for 30 years. And I got to thinking the fact that one day, very soon, Gene Rogers will never walk in that back door again. And he'll never take his rightful spot. He'll never sit there again. And I began, to, tears began to, to, to flow down my cheeks and I was listening to some, some, some Christian music on the radio. We had to put a CD in and I just kind of, I, I wept. I just, tears couldn't stop them. And it bothered me. And I kind of wondered, I thought, God, he's, he's a good man. Been married 62 years. He's, he's lived a life. You know, Pastor Mace walked in there and he talked to Gene. And he, as we were getting ready to leave, he said, Gene, he said, Gene, you're a good man. Gene is a good man. He's been faithful. I mean, Gene got saved and he, he served the Lord for for. for, for decades faithfully he brought his family to church man he'd sit there and, and you all know Betty and we tease her about it but poor Gene go out to the car and he'd wait for a half hour 45 minutes after every service most of you know that and Betty'd be in here talking and just chatting up a storm and Gene he'd just be sitting there in the car waiting never said a word never had a problem and I got to thinking real soon never going to see that guy again this side of heaven but God is still good. God is still good. Gene's born again. Gene, as soon as he shuts his eyes for the last time here, will open his eyes and be in the presence of Christ. God's good. God is good. Oh, it hurts to let go, doesn't it? There's a party that says it's not fair. There's a party that says I don't want that to happen, but God is good. And through that, your tears that hurt, and they do, you don't cry unless something's bothering you, but, but those tears can be tears of joy because God is good. He didn't leave us here on this earth without any hope. He didn't leave us here on this, on this earth without any, any chance of a resurrection. No, he, he, 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible tells us if we believed in a resurrection and there was none, we'd be of all men most miserable. But praise God, Jesus Christ rose. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. And he lives in heaven. And one day, because he did that, I'll get to live there with him. God is good. Oh, God is good. Talking to a couple of fellows in the last few weeks here about their finances. And their finances are just boogered up right now. God is good. God is good. You say, I'm, I'm, we're having trouble paying the bills. God's good. 
Folks, you know something right now? Some of the hardest times of your life is when God shows himself the greatest. See, that's when God is, that's when God pulls you close. And I know a lot of us, we push God away and say, God, I'll make it on my own. I'm self-sufficient. You know, we, we as Americans, we sometimes get that crazy thought that I'm a self-made man. You're a knucklehead if you say that. God is good. God will help you. You lean on him. See, your mind will have perfect peace. Your life will have perfect peace if this and this is resting in him. God is good all the time. share an illustration. I'll steal it from my father. There's a man that my dad has worked with for 25 years. Business associate. Tom is his name and Tom is a salesman, aluminum salesman. And many of you know my father worked in uh, the, the satellite business. So they bought a lot of aluminum throughout the years and spun a lot of those crazy dishes that sprang up about 25, 30 years ago. Well, Tom and dad developed a friendship and Tom came down probably once or twice, some years even three times, to go hunting with my father out at Dad's cabin. And through that, I, I got to meet Tom. And I remember going to Milwaukee and eating, eating dinner there with his family. I remember Tom and his family coming up here and eating dinner here. And Tom was a good man. Tom was a good man. I mean, just salt-of-the-earth type of guy. Hard worker. He, 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 just, just, you liked him. From the moment he walked in the room, you liked the guy. His sons were good fellows. I mean, just, just a top-notch family. But Tom was never real interested in Christ. Talk about religion. My father would try constantly to bring up Christ. Just constantly. But Tom would always, he'd talk about it. He was open to it, but really had no inkling. Just, just, just wasn't interested. A couple years ago, I think it's been four or five years ago, Tom was diagnosed with cancer. And... Uh, I remember several of the men came down. Jim Faulkner knows Tom real well. They, they've become very good friends throughout the years. And I remember at that time, they really talked to Tom about the Lord and tried to encourage him to trust Christ. And Tom just didn't go for it. Beat the cancer. He was that type of guy. He's just a guy that, he, he just, he, there were no doubts. About six months ago, he was supposed to come down and go hunting with all of us, and he called and said, I, my cancer's back. He said, I, I can't. He said, I've got to go in for my treatments. It was, I think it was Friday. Friday, my father called his wife to see how Tom was doing. Hadn't heard from him in a while and was wondering. His wife's name is Claudia, and Claudia said, Mike, she said, um, it's not good. The cancer's gone to his spine. Let's face it, outside of a miracle of God, it's, it's, it's terminal. There's no chance. He couldn't even walk. He'd been doing fine and up until, until the day before. He'd been walking and doing things and enjoying life, and all of a sudden it just hit him. He couldn't, I mean, couldn't even, he could not even get up. They admitted him to the hospital, and he and his wife began to talk. And Claudia told, she said, Mike, she said, it's a funny thing you called. She said, Tom and I were just talking. And she said, we were talking about you. And she said, Tom told me that he's getting ready to go meet Jesus. And, and he needs Mike to call him. Because Mike can show him the way. And I stopped at my father's workplace and we both wept. Because Tom had never really 
again, he's just never really been interested. My father was able to call Tom on Friday night and lead him to the Lord. And Tom trusted Christ. Tom's going to go to be with the Lord real soon. But you know, through it all, God is good. God is good. You say, God, why do things happen? Why does that, why does that, why does that afflict our family? Why does that hurt our church family? God, why do these things hit us? God is good. God is good, folks. And you say, but, but, but sometimes, he, no, he is good. You don't understand what's on the other side of the curtain. You don't understand what's on, you see, folks, we, the Bible teaches us that we see through a glass darkly. We don't, we don't understand life. I mean, we were, we were talking about that the other day. I mean, folks, I look at life, and, I, and I, I truly, I don't comprehend it. I like to think that I do, but I don't. I see things as a fleshly man far too often. And praise God for that book because it teaches me to th- see things spiritually. But there's so many times I look at things through my eyes of flesh, and I say, God, why? God says, you, you just don't understand yet. But through it all, God is good. God is good. And folks, in our lives, we've got to put that up here. We've got to put that in here. Because we get bitter at God. Oh, we get mad. We say, God, if you truly loved me, God says, I do love you. God, if you really cared, you... God says, I do really care. God, if, if you knew it was in my best interest... God says, don't you think I know I made you? I formed you. I fashioned you. Before you were even born, I knew every part of you. I counted the hairs on your head. Fellas, some of you, that's getting to be a small number. But God says, I counted them. I know them. I see them. Maybe God's saving them for you in heaven. Man, Brother Leopard's wedding picture last night. You should see it. I think we're going to show that video tonight. It, it was sweet. Brother Leopard, he had this big old haircut, and he had, he had locks of hair flowing off. <laughs> Brother, maybe God's saving them for you. I don't know. But folks, through it all, God is good. You say, I don't know if I can make it another day. God's still good. You say, it hurts so bad. I, I, I can't explain it. I can't define it. It's tearing me up. God is good. And folks, we've got to come to a place in our lives where we think it, where we believe it, where we rest in Him. Lord, my mind is stayed on Thee. My desire is towards Thee. The desire of my spirit, my soul, it yearns for You, God. Everything about my life is, is placed on You. God, I need You. I have to have You. Everything depends on You, God. See, right there. See, I think some of us in this room, we wonder why the Christian life is so hard to live. It's because our thoughts aren't stayed on Him. You say, why do I keep failing? Because you're not thinking and yearning and desiring Him. Folks, temptation would hold no sway over you if your mind was stayed on God. You wouldn't have any problem saying no to alcohol. Just say, no, don't need it. It's not for me. No, I don't want it. If your mind was saved on him. We'd have no problems with our anger and our bitterness if our mind was saved on him. Folks, number one, God is God. God is God. God is God. 
Secondly, God is in control. Don't be persuaded by the storms of the world. The storms of society, the storms of politics. We get so worried, don't we? What are we going to do now? (laughs) Just rest in God. And lastly, God is good. He's good all the time. And folks, I know some of you right now, you're going through a valley. But God is good. You say sickness has hit. Trials have come. But God is good. You say, you don't know how hard it is. I don't. I'll be the first to admit that. I Talking to, to Betty on the phone this morning, folks, I, I, feel, I, I feel woefully inadequate because I am. What, what, does a, what does a 34-year-old man tell a lady who's been married for 62 years, who's about to lose her husband, what can I say? What can I say except, oh, you'll make it. I've never walked her shoes before. I mean, I've never done, been down that path. I've, I've, never, I've, never, I've never seen that happen. I've never seen a, 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 a wife or a mother or a father, a close one like that, pass away. I've never seen that. How can a 34-year-old man say that because I have a God that's good? That's how. And I know through it all, God is good. And folks, I've got to define my thinking that way. Because if I don't, I will fail. I will fall. I will quit. I will turn back. I'll throw in the towel, whatever, whatever term you want to use. But that's what will happen if my mind and my heart aren't stayed upon Him. Oh, my friend, I'd encourage you today. Let's put our mind on Him. Let's put our mind on Him. You say, oh, but, but pastor, sometimes it's so hard and doubts slip in. I know that. Rest on Him. Lean on Him. Let your thoughts be permeated with Christ. Folks, today I'd encourage you. I'd beg you. We've got to make God the focal point of our minds. I'll ask you a question as we close. Is your mind stayed on Christ? Is your mind stayed on Christ? I said, God is God. I said, God is in control. And I said, God is good. Folks, in your mind, in your heart, I'm not not asking, these are not, Bible questions that I'm asking to juniors, you know, that, you know, who died on the cross for me? Jesus, who, who, who sent his son to die? God. I'm asking adults. I'm asking people who in this room have been through fires and who've been through trials. You've been through hurts and heartaches. I'm not saying that young people haven't. Young people in this room, I'm not trying to make light of anything. Some of you young people have been through more heartache than I have. But I'm asking you this morning. Is your mind, is your heart stayed on him? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My friend, this morning the message has been primarily to Christians, to those who are his. If you are here in this room and you have never accepted Christ, the gift of God, the most wonderful thing mankind has ever received. 
If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ. Would you understand something very quickly? The sin in your life. It can be lying, it can be stealing, it can be cheating, it can be anything. Those things condemn you to be separated from God in the lake of fire. The Bible teaches us for the wages of sin is death. And that death is, is, is in the lake. I mean, folks, it's defined. The Bible is so clear. If you're here and that's you, would you know something? <laughs> God sent his son 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross of Calvary. He paid for your sin. He paid for mine. All that God asks is that you put your faith, your trust in Christ. Not in, not in the church, not in the baptism, not in the communion, not, not in your classes, your catechism, nothing. He says put it in Christ alone. If you're here this morning, you've never done that. During the invitation, if you'd come down, I promise you I'll have someone show you from the Bible. They'll answer your questions. To show you how you can be a child of God. If you're here this morning, you're like that. Would you please give us an opportunity to show you Christ? And Christian, in your life, is your mind stayed on him? As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. Friend, in your mind, is God still God? Is He is He still in control? Is God still good?
folks, thank you for being here this morning. Your life matters. Your life makes an impact. I saw that as clear as, as day on Friday. 25 years, business associates, hunting buddies. But when the time came, he called a guy who knew Jesus. When dad finally got a hold of him, he said, Mike, he said, I knew you'd know how to tell me the way to Jesus. Your life matters. But it starts here. It starts here. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 7, the, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isaiah told us we'll have perfect peace if our mind stayed on me. Folks, God has stuff that's so good for us. But we have to get our thinking right. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Thank you for being in the service this morning. Let me encourage you to come back. Brother Hager.